1: Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Pod on the Time, your go-to Newcastle United podcast, brought to you by the Athletic. My name is Taylor Payne, and I'm joined, as always, by Chris Woff and George Colkin. Coming up on this week's show, we're going to be talking to Zara Zamorodian all about her fantastic film, We Are the Jordies. We're going to look back at that Palace game, and also we're going to be talking a little bit about Alan San Maximan and what's going on with him. But before we get into any of that, to celebrate Black Friday week, we're giving you the chance to subscribe to The Athletic for our best ever price. It's just £1 a month for a full 12 months, and you can cancel it anytime. so you can access all of The Athletic all year long, including all of our podcasts, completely ad-free. We'll bring you unrivaled Newcastle coverage for an unbeatable price, and we won't be running a better deal anytime soon, so get stuck in. This offer is running until the 4th of December, so please don't miss out. Go to theathletic.com forward slash form. Forward slash <laughs> Connery's back forward slash Newcastle pod uh, and pay just one pound a month for 12 months this offer is for new subscribers only and now that I have our administrative work out of the way good afternoon gentlemen I'm here with George and Chris how's it going good afternoon very well thank you and you I'm all right Chris how are you doing you healthy
0: I'm fine thank you yes it's good to good to hear from you too I don't know what I said there. I sort of mixed my words. So I I'm
2: good, it's good to hear you from, from you. I mean, it, it, too. it also can't have been much as you make it sound like a surprise that we've like run you, rung you up and started talking to you, as opposed to this being something that's in your calendar every week. I mean, it often feels like that, to be honest. Yeah, I do. <laughs> it feels like
1: sometimes. a spur of the moment thing, isn't it? I think there's only one place we can start here, gents, and that is the news that has just broken that Newcastle's game uh, against Aston Villa on Friday night has been postponed due to a COVID outbreak at the club. Chris, you're the one who's been the closest to all of this and what's going on. What What's happened here?
0: Yeah, well, this has been an ever development story over the last, say, 48 hours, really, um, on Newcastle. Uh, as far as they're concerned on Sunday there was there was additional tests to, to positive tests to the three that had already been recorded before Friday's trip to Crystal Palace and they feared that that more were, were going to follow and so uh they had they had additional tests on Sunday yesterday the training ground was closed the training ground has been closed today today is Tuesday by the way so the training ground w- was closed again today and basically since Monday evening really it's looked close to inevitable that Newcastle were going to push for for postponement. And there's been very quick developments during the course of today where Newcastle have consulted with Public Health England. They've spoken to uh, various different uh, local authorities. They've also conversed to the Premier League and basically tried to find out if it was possible to postpone the match. I think it's not only the number of positive cases, although Newcastle have confirmed there's been a significant increase in yeah. positive cases, without confirming how many exactly they've had, but also I think there was fears over travel down to how are they going to go to an away game, how are they, yeah. going, to, were they going to be able to stay overnight, how would the travel, the families of some players, their safety, and so really it's about a, a a safety issue here, and so eventually I think the the right decision has come around. There is a human element to this, and so eventually we found out that yeah, Friday night's game, it's the first Premier League match to be postponed because of an outbreak of COVID nineteen.
2: It's absolutely the right decision, isn't it, George? Categorically, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think there's um, a couple of things to to say about it. I mean, the first first thing is from from all of us is that we hope everybody at Newcastle's all right, and mm-hmm. uh, those people who are suffering get well soon. And it's important to say that. The other, th- I mean, the other thing is that yeah, it's it's it feels to me like a common sense decision we've been sort of looking at those regulations over the past couple of days and there was a very high bar for games to get postponed and called off but you want kind of football to sort of acknowledge that having been presented as this antidote almost to lockdown the first time around that there was this duty uh, for footballers to come back and entertain us whilst we were all stuck in the house it's this a it's a reminder that footballers are not immune to this and that they're very much part of it We, we have to remember that they're kind of putting their health on the line not just through the normal stuff in football but doing this as well albeit they're tested a lot and it's also kind of a great reminder to to all of us as uh, we do need to be careful, and this isn't going anywhere. It hasn't, yeah. it hasn't, and so you know we we owe it to ourselves to be careful. But yeah, I'm I'm pleased that this hasn't become a sort of big drawn out battle with the Premier League to get it called off. Newcastle made a point of thanking Villa for their understanding and cooperation, and yeah, thankfully thankfully that's happened.
1: I mean, I'm surprised that it's taken this long for something like this to happen, for there to be a major outbreak. But like we've heard again and again, the the, the kind of health... Uh, and safety of, of the players and the staff at the training grounds and stuff like that has been paramount where this is concerned. The social distancing that's been involved, all of the checks that have been done, the testing and all that sort of stuff, uh, it's been put in and it's been implemented well. Um, but I'm still su- surprised that it's taken this long for there to be a major outbreak. But Chris, well, from your point of view, what's what's the next steps now? Then is there, is there a plan in place for Newcastle? Is there a plan of when this fixture might get replayed?
0: Well, we've, the, the news has literally just broken in the last 15, 20 minutes. I mean, Newcastle say within the statement that in due course they, they, they will find out and they will let us know when the, the, the fixture can be replayed. I'm not sure whether the fact that both clubs aren't in Europe means that, that, that they could fit it in somewhere in terms of when it's a Champions League night or a, or a European night. I mean, immediately... FA Cup I, fourth round weekend, I probably think. it would probably be the best, <laughs> the best time in, to do it. I mean, Villa I mean, might still be in, to be honest. <laughs> I would uh, I would echo George's comments and there is a human element to this which I think sometimes gets overlooked that, that yes. there are players their families involved here staff members and yeah we really hope that, that that they are all safe and well very soon and that this doesn't spread any further but that's the, the main thing now is that Newcastle need to contain the spread they need to make sure that, that no more players and staff members become infected that the training ground is a safe place again and then start preparing for, for whenever the next game may be. Hopefully, the West Brom game will be all right. I suppose that depends on how many players have tested positive, how long their isolation periods are. All of that is a little bit uncertain at the moment, but I think the health and safety had always had to be the priority in Newcastle United, have or would sure it has been. And to be fair on Newcastle, I know that they receive a lot of criticism, rightly, in a lot of quarters, but I don't think this is anything to do with the potential provisions that they've had in place mm-hmm. or otherwise. They have, uh, from the start, have led... With with some of the protocols, for example, uh, banning handshaking at the training ground, and that uh, their the doctor is renowned in terms of they've even created an app to make sure that people have been safe and and, and that they're entering a secure environment. This has come about since the last at national break. They're still trying to work out exactly what the the source is, but this this could in theory have happened anyway. I don't think this is this is just a Newcastle United problem. This could have happened to any club.
1: I'll be surprised if this is the last one as well. I, I, I'll be very surprised if there isn't another one of these sort of outbreaks somewhere else, um, in in either in the Premier League or in another league. But uh, like I say, it's a to me it's a surprise that it's taken this long to happen. I thought, you know, I think the the league and the clubs have handled this really well so far. I think you have to take your hat off to them for how how well they've done with this virus because it's pretty nasty once it gets into a into a, a group of people.
2: Yeah, I mean, I've had it's it's been in my family and obviously I've written about. Them that my my stepdad got it and got it really badly and was in intensive care three times and and came out three times and we thought we'd lost him on a couple of occasions and you know it's something that will live with with us for the rest of you know forever basically and it's not a joke and so I mean it's not it's it's not good to have these reminders but it's it's important that we get them sometimes I mean it is as you say it's it's become a far more sort of commonplace thing now but it is just that you know, just that reminder that, um, albeit the northeast is going into into sort of the highest uh, you know tier of non-lockdown lockdown or whatever we call it, but yeah. um, it is that reminder that um, we're not through it yet. Please wear your masks. Please take it easy. Uh, please be careful. Please wash Absolutely. your hands. All those things. Footballers uh, who do have these incredible strict protocols, and I'd. Echo exactly what what Chris has said before. Um, the uh, the doctor at Newcastle is 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 has been on top of this from the start. They did do all that stuff very early. They have taken it very seriously. They do get tested all the time and it's you know and it can still happen so it's just yeah. it's that it's that reminder that we just must be careful
1: so what happens from here then Chris um Newcastle United will have another fixture in the near future um and, and do you think they'll be they'll be the team will be ready the club will be in a position where they're ready to play that next fixture
0: well that that's sort of an unanswerable question at the minute it depends on that there, there has been a fear that more positive tests could return they're going to be tested again tomorrow which is Wednesday so there could be more positive tests so that could throw further plans into 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 disarray. really I mean for now I think they're focusing on the, on the safety of the players then they can cross that next bridge when they come to it and I think we'll probably have more of a clearer idea towards the end of the week Um, but certainly uh, Friday's game just didn't seem realistic in any way shape or form there's another week or so after that before the West Brom game so there's there's a bit more time but I think just the the immediate concerned as a safety really
1: yeah and obviously with isolation and, uh, and and quarantine and stuff like that it's difficult to get an idea on how soon how many players are actually going to be fit and healthy and the other thing with this virus as well that a lot of people don't talk about is uh, the lasting effects that go on after you've had the virus I know I mean I had it in, in August And I'm still not completely right now. I still find myself gasping for breath. Um, I mean, part of that is because I'm a big fat knacker. (laughs) and Getting up and down the stairs is uh, taking its toll on me as I get older. But the kind of layover effects from the virus itself are difficult. And you don't know how. I mean, obviously, footballers are uh, a big fit and healthy lads. And hopefully, it'll not take its toll on them too much. But... You just don't know what's going to come from this.
2: No, they're. In the, I mean, they're in the right demographic to get it, if you know what I mean. But um, yeah. um, there is, of course, the potential of there being a football sort of a lingering effect in terms of the football itself, because if the training ground is closed or if players can't come in for training, then obviously that has effect on on the work they can do. That certainly isn't ideal. Uh, uh, you know, not uh, notwithstanding the actual this game being called off it's time it's time away from the training pitch it's time away from practicing the formation that they that they played against uh, Crystal Palace this weekend so it's not I mean it's not ideal in any way shape or form we can sort of all make jokes about being able to sort of sit back and relax and not have to worry about Newcastle um, this weekend but there are serious points attached to it and of course it's not it's not good news.
1: At what point do we need to start looking at, at football on a whole and looking at the wider uh, the wider idea here that maybe it's not a good idea to be playing football at the minute in the middle of a pandemic, a global pandemic? Is it is it something that the conversations are happening anyway? I mean, is this going to be a, a wake up call for the Premier League or anyone like that? I mean, could this have knock on effects, Chris? Do you think going forward could could there be a potential situation where football is stopped again?
0: Yeah, I mean that again. That's something that really that. If it if it becomes a situation where health and safety of players and and staff and 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 the wider public comes into question, then then maybe it is something I have to think about. It's, it's it's been several months and there haven't been too many problems. I suppose the issues that have been is when there have been at national breaks when players have gone away and come back. There have been situations where that has tended to to see, and um, certainly the Premier League cases um increase slightly so
1: I honestly don't I honestly don't know why we're playing national football at the minute I don't, I don't well, understand. I
0: it. imagine there's a large financial element to it as, as as the reason I think that's the reason playing football in general really is for all the other connotations that have been out there and the suggestions that this is because it's for the for the wider good of of the public I think it's this is all to do with with finances. There's so many elements of of life are to be fair um I mean but, the,
2: I'll, I'll just to interrupt Chris I mean I think I think the good thing about football coming back and you know we all have opinions about what football looks like and feels like now and we'll we'll, you know fully enough we'll talk about this in a in another discussion we've got coming up but the the one area where it's been very successful has been to kind of get through it and to kind of get through it relatively unscathed the And the way that the game has been able to do that has been in shutting things down very, very, uh, very, very quickly and very, very closely. Now, I suppose the one wild card you've got from this situation is that Newcastle went to Palace last weekend, last Friday, knowing that they had some cases around the place, and then those cases have sort of grown uh grown in the days since then now i've got nothing to no reason to believe that people would have been spreading things at crystal palace but um and as i say people are tested absolutely all the time so you would like to think not but the one thing that sort of not happened is that there's been an outbreak that's then led to another outbreak that's then led to another outbreak so we have to kind of keep our fingers crossed that that will be the case this time as well that newcastle have been able to sort of shut it down Quickly enough and well enough, efficiently enough, so that it's self-contained within their own bubble. But I guess that would be a, you know, that would be the one concern that there would be. There'll be a time when somebody has it, and then it spreads exponentially. Fingers crossed. That's that's not this time.
3: This episode is supported by FX's Welcome to Wrexham.
1: Well, anyway, enough of that. Let's talk about something a little bit more positive. Newcastle uh, went to Selhurst Park on Friday night and came away with three points. Callum Wilson and Joe Linton on the score sheet, uh, and they put Palace to the sword, didn't they, Chris?
0: Well, uh, I mean, that's <laughs> no, probably, they didn't, Taylor. Probably, uh, <laughs> uh, a slight exaggeration. Um, they for eighty-five minutes, it was pretty dull. But it was awful, it was wasn't still, it? It was still a million times better than what we've seen in the in the pre- what we'd seen in the previous. Two matches, so that probably says a lot more about those matches than it does Friday night. But yeah. I think that Newcastle they did look more balanced all round. There was definitely more attacking intent there. It's a shame that a lot of those opportunities fell to Joe Linton, but you know that they, they his all round game was very good, as, as 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 I wrote about, and maybe we've seen. Where you can get extract a bit more from him, yes. if you've got uh, Callum Wilson alongside him. But in terms of just the balance and the in the way that Newcastle was set up, that they certainly looked to get forward a bit more. The four four two is what they went for, which uh, Bruce spoke to to some of the senior players last week. They decided that that, that they wanted to, to to have more bodies higher up the pitch, and and that that would hopefully help them. And against someone like Palace, I think it really worked because they they were they were pretty slow and pretty poor themselves and it, a draw possibly would have been a fair result but Newcastle managed to nick it in the end and it really has sort of changed the the mood a little bit and and going into the this run of fixtures now where they they could potentially get a few more points let's hope if they can if they can build on that result
1: i mean george for 80 odd minutes it felt like it had
2: 0-0 written all over it didn't it Yes. I mean, when you said, put Palace to the sword, I think Newcastle... I was was being facetious, George. I know, but they put Palace to the penknife, let's be honest. (laughs) That's what they did. That's what they did. But they (laughs) saved the best till last. It was weird. I mean, I was watching it, and I have to say, I didn't kind of... I didn't really feel very much at the end, I have to say. I mean, but obviously yeah. very pleased that they won and very happy that they did did so that's what having a, having a centre forward on the pitch can do and i agree i got i got into trouble on twitter because i'd um, i mean i was i was kind of being silly but mark douglas from uh, the journal and chronicle he said something about jillington i think at kind of half time and sort of said you know his his movement and and that sort of stuff looks better and i just replied 40 million quid and that brought out some kind of quite strange um, yeah. sort of Jalinton love um, and he was he was a lot better. I mean he wasn't a lot better in terms of finishing, but he was a lot better in terms of the other parts of his game and of course we're all longing um you know for, for that solution to be found and to find a way of accommodating him and the team and looking better. And he, you know, he did he did look better. Um I mean it was also a game that they that they played without Alan Sam Maxima. So he's probably somebody we should talk about as well for all the stuff that was mm. that was happening on and off the pitch um last week too. But no, I mean, yes, it was a horrible eighty five minutes. It really was. It wasn't um it wasn't sort of joyous at all, but they they kept going and they do you know, they are capable of doing that and they got a the result. So yeah, very very pleased with that. Um I can't say it made my heart sore because it, because no. it didn't. It was a lovely bit of
1: work by uh, by Joe Linton from the the throw wasn't it, for the first goal for Colin Wilson? I thought he did fantastically well, bundled his way through like vintage shoulder Amiobi. It, it was beautiful to watch. <laughs> never really in never really in control of the ball. Not sure where it was going, but it ended up in the right place.
0: I thought it was one of his best all round performances for Newcastle. Now you can argue that, that that there isn't much to go by before, and that yeah, that's but, the ball's not really high, is it? The, the thing with Joe Linton is that I think, in one sense we both have to still keep addressing the fact that he costs £40 million, because, Newcastle, but that's from a Newcastle point of view. Newcastle spent £40 million on him, so they have to try and get some value from him. But Joe Linton, as an individual, and in terms of what he brings, I think we almost have to try and disconnect the £40 million from him. If you see what I mean, there's almost two strands to this. That can't be forgotten about, that Newcastle have spent all that money. But every time we talk about him and what he brings to the team, because he's never going to be a £40 million footballer. He's never certainly going to be a £40 million striker. So it's what can Newcastle actually get from can they make him can they get something out of him where he fits into the team and he actually brings something positive? And I thought on Friday he did, I thought. He, he put himself about a lot his, his shooting obviously needs a heck of a lot of work as shooting's head because that was mm. it, it was almost you wanted roles reversed because and Callum Wilson to be the one who's on all the end of the chances because if he had then Newcastle may have won 3 or 4 nil because that, that what he does he, he showed when he, he got through he scored goals but I did think that, that this is we saw it against Burnley and then he's back in a similar sort of position even slightly further ahead but in that number 10 role or as a second striker whatever you want to call it I do think you do see what he can actually bring to the match when he's got Someone alongside him who will is expected to score the goals rather than themselves.
2: I sort of agree with that, Chris, except I also don't, because I think the thing is, (laughs) if he had cost five million quid then I don't think he would have been anywhere near the team as much as he has done. I mean, the two things are intrinsically linked. You are right to say that they have to find a way to make it work, but that is because he costs so much money and that is a huge investment. They have to find some way of protecting that investment and they have to find some way of justifying that investment, whether it's him playing and contributing to the team or you know, two two years down the line, a year down the line, trying to get some money back for him. I mean... If it was five million pounds, that wouldn't be a problem. I'm not saying that they would jettison him and leave him to rot if he cost five million pounds. But um, I mean, also, I suppose last season there was sort of no choice because they didn't have alternatives. Mm. But it's very difficult not—it's very difficult not to think about that money at the same time. It's categorically not his fault. But the the startling thing is that it's it's. You know, so I think someone said to me on Twitter, you know, this is that's nothing in today's money, and to to one degree that's right, except that it is so much a big deal for Newcastle that yeah. amount of money, and still is, and again, you know, sort of every time he's on the pitch, it's it's sort of I find it very difficult to sort of to to disassociate that determination they were to bring him into the club when Benitez was manager, the February before before he left and Benitez saying no and there being this huge sort of battle of battle of wills almost about about him and they were going to sign him no matter what it's very it didn't matter who the coach was they were going to sign him and so i kind of quite find it quite difficult to sort of disassociate those two parts of the conversation i know you're right moving forward he has to be sort of taken at face value but it's it's a difficult thing to do that
1: it's really tricky isn't it with that with that transfer fee i mean it's an awful awful lot of money and if you're breaking it down and you think newcastle could have bought two 20 million pound attacking players uh who who would have given us a lot of uh a lot of addition to the squad you know um and and you you spend 40 million pound on one striker who doesn't score goals and for an entire season it looks like it was a waste of money i'm hoping that now we're going to start seeing a little bit more and, and maybe he's a little bit of a different joe linton um i thought he had a little bit of swagger about him on friday night i have to be honest and i know for a lad who's allegedly short on confidence he was Some of his touches were good. Um, his hold of play is a little bit sketchy at times. I think for the size of him, he should be holding the ball up a lot better. He should be a bit, bit stronger when he's uh, up against the likes of Scott, Dan, and people like that. Um, and his shooting, like Chris says, really does need work. But I thought he linked the play fairly well, and I thought he proved a, a half-decent foil for Colin Wilson, who, who was allowed to get on with the job of getting in the right place and being a striker. Uh, and Joelinton kind of linked the midfield to the attack pretty well, I thought. And I thought, as I, I, I agree with Chris, I thought it was his, uh, I thought it was his, his best best performance for Newcastle so far. Um, mind you, his shot—it wasn't going in, was it? It was going right at the keeper until it took the deflection, <laughs> and then it uh, trickled into the net. But I have to say, I was overjoyed for the lad to get the goal. I think he really needed it.
0: I think he meant it. I think he meant to do that. Just you know, do you, do you think he meant like sort of a guide? Like a guiding post almost. Is he? <laughs>
2: This is what we've waited all summer for. What makes Newcastle United so special to the fans? It's tribal. You come out and all you see is black and white. Unlike Manchester and Liverpool, the city unites behind the club. It's part of what going up in the North East is about. It's who we are. Yet this is a club that hasn't won a domestic trophy since 1955.
0: For
1: years, this club has gone with one mistake after another.
2: When you're a jury, you get kicked. You just get up and get on with it. The Championship has been a graveyard for some huge clubs.
3: It's simply about promotion to the Premier League. Can they do it? They kind of have to, really.
1: With a manager like Rafa, we've got hope.
0: We haven't had that for a long
1: time. So we're going to be back and talking a little bit about Alan St. Maximin and all of the drama that's surrounding here at the moment. But first, we've got a very special guest on the podcast. We're going to be talking to Zara Zomorodian. In her own words, Raj Packett, maker of films, aspiring cult leader. That's a good job I said that, right? My God. <laughs> <laughs> aspiring cult leader. Uh, and one of the clever brains behind the fantastic uh, fan film, We Are The Geordies. How are you doing, Zara? It's lovely to have you.
5: Thank you very much for having me on the show. Um, I'm all right, actually. A little bit stressed, but, you know, it's to be expected after, you know, what's going on in the world and also trying to release a film in the middle of it all.
1: Absolutely. I bet, I bet that's a really difficult uh, a difficult process. How, is, how has it all been going with that?
5: Actually, it's been going really quite well. Um, we've got, I've got, a, we, we've done a film before ourselves uh, called The Stag Do, which we self released, and it literally was self released, like handing out flyers outside St James's Park and stuff. This time, we've actually got a little budget and a little team. And what a difference it makes
1: wow. i can imagine i can imagine george you've been involved in this project haven't you what, what's your what's your role in all of this uh
2: just hang around and glory hunter basically but um, good, basically. No, yeah. i mean i it's it, um it that's that's a slight exaggeration i mean i i appear very briefly in the film it's been a labor of love for for zara um it's four years in the making it's really it's the story of the promotion season under rafa mm. But it's a story that's told really through the kind of first-hand experience of of Newcastle fans. Uh, it's very beautiful to look at, it's beautiful to listen to, and it's a great, kind of great reminder. I mean, it, it, in some ways it feels like awful timing for a film to be coming out when people can't go into the cinema. But at the same time, it's also wonderful timing because it reminds us exactly mm. what we're missing uh, without people in the stadium. and. I would urge people to, to to download it or buy the physical release. It I'm sure Zara will give us details about that. But yes. it's it's just a love letter to to Newcastle and to Newcastle's people and and to Rafa as well. A very very special season. But I mean, it's it's I know it's been very very frustrating for you, Zara, over the past few four years to to kind of get it done. But you must feel you must feel chuffed to bits that it's actually here now.
5: Oh, definitely. I mean, you know, you've 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 heard my you've heard my whinges and my whines about the various trials and tribulations of getting the thing done. Um, And you're right, now that it is done, it's actually great. Mainly, well, two things. One, get rid of it. Woo-hoo-hoo, take down the chart off my wall. Um, But also (laughs) the opportunity to share it with the people that it was made for, um, which was predominantly Newcastle United supporters. Like George says, it's kind of a love letter to you guys, the people who make Newcastle United what it is.
2: What, I mean, what, I mean, it turned out, obviously, we know We know what happened that season and kind of very famously. Why did you choose that moment? I mean, was it because this, the circumstances of having, you know, this world-class manager who'd agreed to stay on and be part of the club and the championship, was it that it specifically, or was it something that you would have done anyway?
5: You know this, it was just, it was a con conflagration of circumstances. Um, so, I went to London to do a training course on making low budget films. The kind of general whatever philosophy behind this way of thinking about filmmaking was instead of spending ages writing a script then resourcing the script, look at the resources you have around you. And um, because I was involved with NUFC fans united and Newcastle United supporters and kind of a little bit obsessed in a weird, non creepy, stalkery way with Newcastle United supporters and the lengths that they go to <laughs> to support the team. Um, I thought, mm, well, I kind of have a bit of access there. And then through Steve Hasty, got access to the club. Rafa being there obviously sort of makes it all magical. Bernabow to Barnsley is kind of quite a good story. And obviously, <laughs> so you nice. know, he's a world class manager and all the rest of it and stayed with us when we went down. Um, Yeah, it was just, it was like a set of circumstances. But as I've said before, it was two months to the day between an idea popping in my head, written down on a scrap of paper, NUFC supporters film, to interviewing Rafa Benitez in the training ground the day before the Fulham match and bricking it. And, you know, as much (laughs) as you're not in the film massively, had you not, George, I'm talking to here, had you not kind of... Backed us, said it wasn't a really stupid idea, thought that, you know, we weren't completely insane, it probably wouldn't have happened. Um from from me sliding into your DM saying how do you fancy being a movie star to you probably only ending up doing it in about five seconds.
2: Yeah, I'm yeah. You definitely miss you definitely missold that dream. Um <laughs> but uh but I'm am still waiting on the limo, aren't, aren't you, George? Yeah, I definitely am. <laughs> I, I think we're am. all still waiting that, for the limo. But, but I think I think that's the kind of beautiful part of it. I do I I appear right at the very beginning. And what I'm doing is uh I mean I remember being in the stadium kind of vividly this moment we were talking about really the jeopardy of that season and yes Rafa being there but the club hadn't changed and the ownership was this you know hadn't changed and the championship had been the graveyard um you know for 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 big clubs we've seen that and yeah there was huge momentum behind the team and the club at the time but you didn't really know you didn't know but you did know that it was going to be a good story and there are some there are some kind of really big names who appear at the, at the start of the film but i think the point is that they're not they're not the stars so when you're talking about the stars of the of the film It is the people who watch. I mean, it's full of absolutely kind of beautiful. I mean, it's beautiful to look at. That's the first thing to say. And it does it does remind you about the sort of stature of the stadium and the size of the stadium and what it looks like when it's full. And obviously, it takes you around the country as well. I mean, it was a you know you had to do a lot of those those journeys and tells the story of those people who are sort of passionately following the team. But it's it's the stars of the film are newcastle fans and it's there are a few sort of individuals that it focuses on so i suppose my question is what made you choose the people you did and what were you sort of trying to get across um with your choice of newcastle fans to to feature on
5: the main thing i wanted to get across was that unlike how they're portrayed in certain sections of in particular the national media we don't have massive expectations as a fan base and we're not all fat Geordie blokes with NUFC tattooed on our moobs that we're willing to get out at the drop of a hat
1: speak for yourself
5: <laughs> well yes I am speaking for myself here Mr, <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Payne but uh, yeah no it was just it was just to say that you know there is, a diverse, there is a diversity within our support that I think, both in opinion and in, you know, the traditional sense of the word diversity, that quite often gets overlooked by, in particular, the national media. Um, and that's what I wanted to try and capture. But it really was about, you know, as, as everybody else is seeing now, thanks to the pandemic, the fans really are the most important thing within football. I mean, otherwise it's just eleven bloke, well, twenty-two blokes, eleven on one team, uh, kicking a ball around. Um, you no, know, it's the, it's the chance, it's the crack, it's the banter. That's what makes it special.
2: I mean, it's funny you say that. I mean, I was, I was lucky enough to kind of see, see the film a few times over the last past four years, obviously I've seen it change and and things like that. And I've watched it again. I watched the final version. And it is it's very it's very emotional. It's very moving. A lot of those stories are moving on in their own right. But it is just that thing exactly as you say, that this is the thing that we haven't got at the minute. And I've found this a real struggle. I mean I recognise how lucky I am when I've been to games just to sort of have experienced it. But for me, that experience is 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 kind of nothing. It doesn't mean anything to me anymore because I can't bounce it off the stuff that I love bouncing it off, which is other people. I can't bounce off other journalists because you're socially distanced, I can't. But more, far more importantly, there's no way of relating it to, you know, there's no noise. There's no there's no reaction to a great tackle or a great pass or a bad tackle or a goal or anything. And, and then there's the other side of it. You just don't get the comedy in the crowd. You don't get the anger from the crowd. You don't get the funny comments. You don't get those great big swells of emotion. And it's very difficult to feel anything at all. And I watch this film and I feel it again and that's why, you know, that's why I really, why I would encourage people to watch it. I mean, not only was it, you know, in time, was it a great season when there was still that real sense of sort of hope and longing and yearning at the club, but just that fabulous reminder of how we need other people.
5: Yeah, it was really important for us to um, try and capture the match day experience. So although during the film for those people who haven't seen it yet there's not loads and loads of actual footage of the game because the cameras are invariably trained upon the crowd um it was really important for us to try and capture the atmosphere of st james's park in particular uh on a match day um I can still, I don't live in Newcastle, I live in Gateshead, but I'm probably only about two miles away from St. James's Park. And I can still remember when Shearer broke Jackie Milburn's record, being able to hear Shearer, Shearer, Shearer
3: inside my (laughs) house,
5: which still blows my mind that, you know, it's two miles, but a lot of people all shouting the same thing. That noise travels a long, long way. Um, And... That was kind of that energy was something I really wanted to try and capture. Um, and the emotional investment as well as the you know financial sacrifices and all the rest of it that goes into Absolutely. it, the actual emotional investment of following a football team or any sports team, but a football team in this case really closely.
1: Zora, I wanted to, um, to, to pick your brains a little bit as well. I mean, I myself have dipped my tour briefly into making uh, a film and, and and struggled with it massively um and you know the whole process is fraught with with issues isn't it and things grinding to a halt and, and money disappearing and all that sort of stuff so mm-hmm. uh, there the will have been times over the last four or five years while you've been doing this where things have not looked like they were going to get get finished is, uh, how have you kind of overcome all that what what was your process behind just just pushing on and getting this done
5: can I just say bloody mindedness? (laughs) I mean, in in some ways it just, I mean, it's a bit of an exaggeration, but in some ways that is part of it. I just don't quit. You you can't ever give up Mm. on something because when Rafa left in June last year, was it last year? Yeah, June last year. God, time's just gone. June last year, Rafa left. We literally were finishing the sound mix. That day we were finishing the sound mix. We still had to clear archive Um, which, as you know, has a massive cost implication. So the film was finished, bar we use 15 seconds of footage here, a minute of footage there, pictures from Getty images here, there, and everywhere, and they all need to be cleared and paid for. And we had an investor from Israel, bizarrely, who was going to pay for the rest of the film, and it should have come out last year. And then Rafa walked, and then the investor walked, which is you know, not unsurprising. And I think at that point, that was probably the lowest point where we kind of gave up um, to an an extent, Um, but then got busy making a load of comedy sketches for Channel 4, um, which kind of kept our creativity going. And then when the pandemic hit, on the one hand, it was shit because, you know, no football, being stuck in the house. I've got a disabled Mm. kid who really... Let me tell you, ear infection plus autism plus puberty plus pandemic is not a mix that anybody okay, ever needs yeah. to go through. But what did come out of it positively for us was um bounce back loans. So I applied for a bounce back loan and that gave us mm-hmm. the money to finish the film. So,
1: wow! Well, I mean, it's testament. It's testament to your sort of, like you say, your bloody mindedness to get it done and you're your determination to, to to see the project through—I mean, I, I find it mas- massively admirable. It's it's fantastic. Well, Zara, I mean-
2: Zara, Zara, Zara is, is one of these. I'll embarrass Zara now. I mean, not only is she very creative, and not only is she created this beautiful piece of uh art but she's also uh, she's also someone who's a unifier who believes in Newcastle fans getting together and uh, and working together and being on this reminding us that we're on, on the same side um you know she's a big she's a big Newcastle fan but so i want to pay tribute i really want to pay tribute to to her and for producing something which honestly stands the test of time and something which beautifully captures the club at a really interesting moment. Um I think we kind of look back in some ways and feel like well that was straightforward wasn't it? Um you got on the championship that was great. We won every week, but of course yeah. it wasn't like that and there was drama within it and there was definitely tension uh within the club at the time. And but as I say it's 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 a sort of sensitive beautiful um Examination of what it's like to be a Newcastle fan. And it just, it does, it captures brilliantly that experience of a match day. And it makes me, makes me feel very sort of, um, what's the word, sort of have have that sense of sort of longing for us to get back to those Mm -hmm. days. But I promise you, this is the next, this is the next best thing. So, Zara,
1: where can people, where can people find this? Where can people get your film from?
5: At the minute, we are doing DVD pre orders from the website just because I need to know how many DVDs to manufacture. I don't want to be tripping over boxes for the next 12 years, but at the same time, of I don't course. want to run out the week before Christmas. Uh, so the websites, um, wearethegeordies.com, and there's a buy button on there. Um, it'll also be in shops, HMV, hopefully the back page, Windows, etc., etc. And then for people who, you know, not everybody's got a DVD player anymore. I appreciate that. Um, digital platforms, so Amazon, Amazon, virgin sky store itunes apple i'm missing something google whatever um yeah we are the is the best place to keep up to date with things um there's like a sign up thing and i'm not going to spam you. i haven't sent anything out yet it'll just be as links come <laughs> online i can send them to people yeah. if they don't Fantastic. want to buy the dvd
1: brilliant well that's chris's secret Santa i sold it anyway yay is it still there chris I've, I've, I've already ordered it so
5: have you great
1: that's what you're getting sorry mate either like it or lump it
0: (laughs) well I'll just have several versions he will
1: like
2: it he will like it Thank you.
1: I'm sure he will. I'm sure all Newcastle fans will like it as well. Uh, Zara, thank you so much for coming on and speaking to us. It's been absolutely brilliant, haven't you? And and good luck with the film. Thank you. And uh, and we'll push it out on the on the uh, uh, on Twitter and stuff like that to make sure people know where the uh, the links are to buy it and things like that. So good luck with it. Hope it all goes brilliantly for you. And uh, and thanks for coming on and talking to us. It's been fantastic.
5: Fabulous. Thank you very much for having me, guys. So,
1: Christopher Woff, Mr. Waffles, Sergeant Sausage, how are you? Are you okay now?
0: I'm fine, thank you, yes. That was, very, Good. Excellent. That, was, that was very interesting to hear about all that. I am looking forward to seeing it. It was
1: wonderful, wasn't it? Fantastic project. Uh, Chris, I want to talk to you about the enigma wrapped in a conundrum, surrounded by mystery, shrouded in... Uh, Confusement. That's not even a word. <laughs> Confuse-ment. <laughs> Confusement. Confusement. Confuse them Confuse Which is Alan Sam Maximan. What, what the devil is going on with him at the moment?
0: Well, yes, he was uh, a notable absentee on Friday, and uh, that was. It, Said to be a calf injury, which he, he pulled out of training the, the day before. But there, there was there was reports that he was going to be left out the starting lineup anyway, and it does very much sound like that was going to be the case. And you just have to look at his performances over the last few weeks, and really. There, he hasn't been influencing matches as as everyone knows that he can, and there's been a lot of talk. As it is that to do with his position, and possibly it was that he was he was being played uh, in this three in the five three one one formation. He was essentially played as a number ten position. He did actually ask to play in though. He was keen to play in that position as well, and he really wasn't. Uh, materially affecting matches and I think there was just sort of the mood within within the, the sort of club that maybe it was time to, to to sort of take him out of the team, try something else um, and so a lot of fans obviously were very angry about this, why Why is the Newcastle's and theory best player being taken out of out the side and I understand that but I do think that they've rewarded him with a new contract and for someone who is now... Among the best played players at the club, he really needs to to be scoring more goals and and, and assisting more. And this is the, 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 he has been a conundrum throughout his, his career. And I wrote a big piece on it last week, speaking to to people who have worked with him, basically throughout his career, teammates and and, and a former coach. And basically, that this is the, the, there's a lot of Newcastle fans are saying, "Oh well, if if there was a better coach, then he you would be getting more out of him." And maybe maybe there is some an element of truth to that. But this this isn't this isn't. Just happened at it hasn't just happened at Newcastle. Everywhere he's been, there's been these questions over consistency. How do you make, how do you motivate Sam Maximan? How do you get him to keep performing? And he's only 23, and I accept he's still young, but this is this is something where there, where there definitely is an issue there. Where Newcastle are going to try and have to to, to manage him correctly and try and extract far more from him.
1: I mean, George, this isn't the first time something like this has happened, is it, with with Hanson Maximum, where there's been a bit of drama surrounding him. If you cast your mind back to that uh, that cup game that we went to with West Brom, there was all that chat before the game uh, of him uh, being dropped or you know having a bust-up with Steve Bruce. Um, it, he, he sounds like a tricky character to manage, but uh, is this just sort of you know is this just media building it up to uh you know it's a bust up it's an argument it's a fallout or do you think it's a little bit more cut and dry than that it's a bit more simple uh,
2: i mean i think i think all these things are nuanced i mean there's no doubt that you know the the art of management is getting out is getting the best out of different people and everybody's you know everybody is different. Chris, for example, needs an arm around the shoulder. Taylor, yes, you need to kick up the backside. You know, yeah, we're do. all different. We're all different. I'm joking. You probably don't. You probably want an arm around your shoulder as well. But, um, but I like an arm that. around my backside, please. You like an arm <laughs> around your backside, yes. and um, yeah, Chris likes a kick, the kick up in the shoulder, shoulder. Yeah. so um. <laughs> That is part of it. That's part management and it always has been. And yes, it's often sort of said that, you know, with genius comes, uh, you know, comes other parts of character. And so this isn't something that's just, that's that's new. It has happened uh, in his previous postings. And Steve Bruce has said from the start, he's going to take up a lot of my time. He is the one player Newcastle have who is the difference maker, who can do something on his own, who can turn a game. Now, we haven't seen that. We have not seen that for too long. And Chris is right. He was going to be dropped on on Friday. And really, there's a very interesting balance here. I don't want to over-dramatise it because, yes, as you say, Taylor, what happened last season proved that, you know, one man's bust up is another man's is another man's sort of uh, what what's what's a, what's not not a serious bust up argument. Handbags, whatever that gets resolved straight away, and yeah. something kind of good can come out of it. And obviously, in the media, we use dramatic language uh, sometimes to sort of describe stuff that's pretty routine, but I, it does sort of make me think a little bit. Um, about the, about another mercurial Frenchman who played for Newcastle who was full of talent, but wherever he went seemed to cause disruption. And that did not end very well for Newcastle. And mm. you know who I'm talking about there. I'm talking about Hatem Ben Arthur. And it is a, it's a that's not a situation that the club really can afford to get into again, where he was sort of hailed as this Shay uh, Guevara rebel figure who who sort of came to represent everything that Newcastle be, could be if they only tried a bit harder who was being held back by a limited coach and all that kind of stuff and it was it was really difficult for Alan Pardew at the time and the club and you know it's he is going to take delicate handling and but Absolutely, as Chris said, it's also uh St Maximan's responsibility. He's been given a big contract now. Um, you can argue whether that was a good move on behalf of the club or not. I mean, they're protecting his investment, uh their investment, but they're you know, they're kind of stuck with it. St so Maxima has to, you know, does have to knuckle down. He has to show that his attitude in training is right. There have been whispers around that about that around the club. So it's not it's not one of those easy things where there's one hero, one villain, and it's 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 black and white like that. It's a it's a nuanced situation. Um but we definitely have not seen what he's capable of in recent weeks i think partially that's positioning but he he hasn't looked he hasn't looked right to me so hopefully that can that can get resolved
1: he definitely hasn't looked right. And I mean, the, the, the last few times I've watched him play, he's looked disinterested. Um, he's looked a little bit lost and like the game's just kind of passed him by a bit. Uh, and it's a totally different answer, Maximin, from the one who who appeared after the, the initial lockdown break and when the Premier League returned in the summer uh, and he was ready and raring to go and running at defenders and demanding the ball from his teammates and, and really, really looked like the kind of player where everyone thought, wow, what have we got on our hands here? And then this season he's he's just I mean he started fairly well I think he he, he did okay and I remember the the game uh, was it a Burnley game uh, when he provided the assist for Callum Wilson um, and he he you know he looked okay but he's just slowly gone further and further off the boil hasn't he Chris
0: Yeah and I mean actually since the Bournemouth game when he provided the three assists and was Bournemouth that's what it was Bournemouth then well, since not since since, no, Burnley was this season. Burnley got a goal and an assist. But I'm talking about Bournemouth after after the restart. Oh, right, there was okay. about well, there was, <laughs> was about half a dozen games either side of the restart when he really did look like. He that, did, it, yeah. If you can if you can play like this consistently, then this is this really is a player Newcastle have on the hands. Mm-hmm. But it, it that's been the problem throughout his career. He goes through these fits and starts where he, everyone knows the ability he has, and it was interesting that one of the coaches I spoke to him, managed him at at uh, Bastia for a little bit. Uh, Rui Almeida, basically said. I look at him and think he's at 60% capacity. And he compared him to Diogo Jota, and a lot of people seem to raise their eyebrows and say, well, he's not the same sort of player. But he, I don't think he meant, in terms of stylistically, what he meant was yeah. Jota is now, has gone up a level and is now scoring a lot of. He, he is making sure that he's getting goals and assists and he's, put, he's he, he has jumped up. Whereas Sam Maximan, it's. There's a lot of very nice things he does, and and partly it is down to how the team plays, and partly it is down to how he's been used. But there is also that individual responsibility where he has to, he has the ability to influence games more. He flirts, he flits in and out of them, and he needs to make sure that because he he can be the the, the player. If there's going to be one player other than Callum Wilson providing the goals, if there's going to be one player who's going to drag Newcastle to to higher than just. Bog standard mid table. If they're going to have any chance of sort of breaking it, in that top 10 and maybe beyond, it needs Alan Sam Aksman to who's playing well.
1: Well, fingers crossed, uh, Alan Sam Axman gets back to his best and we can see him firing on all cylinders soon. Uh, we're going to wrap things up there, gentlemen. Thank you very much for your time. You're very welcome indeed. Thank you, yes. Thank you
2: for your time.
1: It's been lovely speaking to you. And thank you again to Zara for coming on. And make sure you check out WeAreTheGeordies.com and have a look at that fantastic film uh, that they have made. Uh, Look after yourselves, ladies and gents. Remember, theathletic.com forward slash Newcastle Pod. £1 a month uh, for the year. £12 for an entire year of the best football writing that you can find. Uh, Make sure you get on there and check that out. Thanks for listening again. We will be back with you very, very soon. Look after yourselves. Goodbye.